Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. Today's episode is once again full of gaming news such as lots of FIFA bundles coming to the PS4, an increase in PlayStation Plus pricing, and we have some exclusive information about Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. And we will also be talking about Dragon Quest XI and Monster Hunter World, apart from Battlefield V, and lots of news around Nintendo. So, to kick off episode 30 of Transition, we have our regulars, which means our games editor Rishi Alwani is here. So, does 30 mean our podcast is at the legal drinking age? I think it got there like 5 episodes ago. Still, gotta be sure, man. Yeah. It means the podcast can vote too. Alright, so friend of the podcast, uh, teetotaler, Mikhail Madnani. Is yes. Yeah. More like coffee totaler, but okay. <laughs> Alright, and I'm your host, uh, Pranay Parab. So first of all, I think we should begin by talking about the most exciting thing to happen to PlayStation 4 as far as India is concerned. Agreed, almost agreed. I think the only thing that matters more than what we're going to talk about now is if Sony just says that, oh, PS4s are now half price. <laughs> because, yeah, like... Uh, Basically, for India, Call of Duty and FIFA are probably the biggest franchises. Uh, in addition to... Actually, that used to be the case before Uncharted 4, where you'd, you'd have to say that those two are the biggest. But I think with Uncharted 4, it's almost on par. Really? Reason being, uh, Uncharted 4 month one did 35,000 units. And if we compa- compare that to Infinite Warfare or even Black Ops 3, it never reached that number. Hmm. So I have to say that, yeah, uh, FIFA may have been close because FIFA traditionally has been a stronghold on the PS4 for India. But yeah, I don't think Call of Duty's uh, uh, star is in the ascension it used to have. Yeah, but so. what you said kind of makes me sad that, you know, the situation for Uncharted Lost Legacy isn't the best right now in India. Uh, it's okay, I think. Yeah. Uh, Sony's aware of the mistakes they made with the India launch for Uncharted 4. Uh, they're looking to double down on quantity, double down on product. But what worries me is the price point. Yeah. It's a notorious thing where uh, at 2499, a lot of it's going to be re-exported. It happened with Crash, uh, or with, with, the, with the Crash remaster, where a lot of stock found its way to Dubai. Yeah. So this is a possibility. But uh, on to the good news. So uh, FIFA 18, as all of you know, is uh, a franchise that some of you may care about. So, so this year, EA has decided to partner with Sony, for, uh, which means Sony has marketing rights for the game. Which also means that there will be bundles of PlayStation 4s and PlayStation 4 Pros with FIFA 18. Hmm. Now, uh, on Friday, uh, Sony announced four bundles. Uh, One is basically FIFA 18 with uh, the PS4 500 GB. FIFA 18, actually more than four bundles. I'm reading this right. There are five of them. I'll just read them off. PS4 500 GB with FIFA 18. PS4 500 GB with FIFA 18. And a second DualShock controller. A PS4 1 terabyte with FIFA 18. A PS4 Pro... Uh, with FIFA 18 and a PS4 one terabyte with uh, FIFA 18 and a dual shock controller. All these come with the FIFA 18 uh, Ronaldo, oh, sorry, Ronaldo uh, version of the Ronaldo. game. Ronaldo. <laughs> along with, along with some uh, special uh, downloadable content. Uh, no, joke's not mine. It's, uh, Which apparently is exclusive to the bundles from what yes. their press release says. Yes. Uh, for FIFA Ultimate Team, there's some exclusive uh, stuff which you can only get through these bundles. Yep. So uh, it's it's this this is a this could be a game changer for a variety of reasons for, for India. India for sure simply because uh, everyone knows that uh, Electronic Arts doesn't like to give its games to anyone but Amazon India, and it's been something where a lot of retailers have had problems with in the past because uh, 
at one point in time, FIFA's, uh, FIFA and other EA games made up 30 or 40% of their revenue and shelf space. Now, uh, with, with them being exclusive to Amazon, a lot of retailers are feeling the pinch. I mean, I've seen a couple of my favorite retailers uh, either go out of business or, fo- or stop focusing on gaming altogether because of it. Now, fact of the matter is, because you have this bundle available, uh, and Sony has traditionally been very aggressive with their bundling uh, in India. Whatever bundle they brought in, they brought in, I mean, with two exceptions, they brought in sizable quantities. The two exceptions being uh, the PS4 with Street Fighter V and the PS4 with Tekken. Uh, those two are on limited supply, but there's a good chance we'll see a lot of this coming in. Because uh, from what we know, at a global level, Sony's been lobbying very hard uh, to ensure that uh, EA play ball, literally play ball is FIFA. Because it is a big franchise. I mean, even when Microsoft had the marketing rights for the game, it still sold more on PlayStation. So, yeah, it's it. The what this means is your local neighborhood store could basically will be could be stocking PS4 bundles which have FIFA, and the not so ethical stores will be stocking FIFA standalone, which they've taken out from the bundles. Which is still good news all around because you get to play FIFA. You don't have to worry about Amazon delaying it, which they've done for two years in a row. And you get to pay much less because. Uh Historical data shows us that any game that gets bundled will always sell for at least 20% lower than MRP. Yep. I mean, we saw that with Horizon Zero Dawn. The first time it got a proper price cut is once the bundle started showing up. Before that, it was still around 3400 or 3500 yeah. I mean, at the same time, it al- it'll also be interesting to see how Amazon reacts. Uh, I don't think they would, simply because they've been doing their own unofficial soft FIFA bundles with the PS4. As in, when you go on their store page and you pick up and you want to buy a PS4 on Amazon India... It'll sl- slightly show you a bundle where you can buy the game with, uh, buy the console with FIFA. So I don't think they'd react. I don't think they're in the power to react. A lot of this also has to do with the fact that Sony really doesn't play favorites. They've seen what's happened to other companies who played favorites like <coughs> Microsoft. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think it's it's good news all around. But to balance that out, there's been some not so good news uh, with PS Plus wherein our good friends of Sony have hiked the pricing. Uh, a one-year PlayStation Plus subscription is now 4,439 rupees, which is previously used to be 3,999. A, uh, sorry, a three-month PlayStation Plus subscription is 1,869, which is up from 1,599. And a one-month subscription is 599, which is previously 576. So you're looking at an increase of 23 rupees, an increase of uh, 250, almost 250 to 60 bucks, an increase of almost 450, 500 rupees across. Now, uh, what's interesting is Sony has confirmed to us, and you can check out the story on everyone's favorite website, Gadget360.com, that um, GST is not the reason for this. Hmm. And why that's important to note is because uh, in the recent past, we've seen companies like Apple and Microsoft hike pricing because of GST. Hmm. But this isn't because of GST. This is to do, to put pricing in line hmm. with uh, the European markets, which also saw a price hike hmm. on fi- or from, fr- from Friday. Hmm. Now, the price hike actually, uh, while we've been notified now, it takes effect from August 31. So that's the situation there. You'll be paying more for PlayStation Plus. Yeah. So, uh, like I expected them to raise price in European territories and India comes under European or PAL territories for Sony. Because they raised pricing for the US, I think a little over a year ago now, uh, where it went from uh, $49.99 to $59.99. So I fully expected them to do this. And when they announced it for the UK, I thought it was because of Brexit, because their currency has really taken a hit since then. 
but they've increased it across the board for Europe. And uh, while the price uh, increase in India is like barely anything, I mean, like if you're willing to spend four thousand, spending four thousand four hundred a year is like nothing because games cost that much. But uh, the thing is, a lot of people have forgotten that uh, slowly PS Plus, while they've been like becoming better over the last few months, giving better games. Uh, we still don't have an instant game collection like we did on PS3 and on Vita where the moment you subscribe to PS Plus you get immediate access to like 5 or 6 AAA games I mean I got Uncharted, Golden Abyss, Gravity Rush then I got Borderlands 2 I got like quite a few things on PS3 free with it but those aren't there anymore so I mean they know they can do this because they're like the market leader right now and they're just being slightly greedy I'd say or if they want to increase it in one region they're just taking advantage and increasing it everywhere but uh, the thing which most people have seemingly forgotten is uh, uh, Microsoft changed uh, Xbox Live pricing in India from 2240 approximately to 399 and uh, That's like steep. That's yeah, a lot. It's like, like nearly like double. Almost triple. If I compare a one-year subscription uh, on PlayStation Plus, which is increased by 500 bucks, almost 500. Oh, yeah, that way. Yeah, it's almost triple, right? The price yeah, so... Uh, and another problem with Xbox stuff... At least with their price increases, a lot of retailers have cards, but uh, we don't know. I, I, whatever, like I've seen Flipkart keep fluctuating price and all that for Xbox Gold cards and also, yeah, that's the thing. Like my sub ends in December. Let's see if I renew it. But yeah, like going from two two four zero to like four thousand is a big increase. And uh, while obviously uh, there's no subscription on like the PC gaming front for being online, uh, the price hikes over the last few months for games have it's basically become a little more expensive to be a gamer on, on any platform in India, I'd say. So yeah, but I think it's just par for the course because uh, let's be honest, for the longest time, India has had the lowest pricing possible for console and PC games. And after a point, as a publisher, you're going to think it doesn't even continue making sense to do this. And a lot of times, yeah, I mean, if the answer is no, they're just treating the market as it should, right? And if the sales aren't, uh, you know, reducing to that quantity... It's, it's business as usual. And even some of the price hikes, which we've seen, aren't exactly price hikes. I mean, you're trying to uncharted, uh, for example, Assassin's Creed Origins, 100 rupees more. Yeah, like How that's that what I said. These, these, these would usually happen just because the currency versus like euro and dollar and all has changed. So like a few hundred makes no difference on like a few thousand basically as an increase. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, probably if they increase it again without offering any value, then it might be a problem because the... Uh, the way people are complaining about these price hikes, like even uh, I believe Xbox Gold has increased in some other regions also by these small amounts. I mean, like I know why should you pay for online, but this is just something you have to accept if you want a game on consoles. And if it's increasing by this much, I'm pretty sure people who buy games for like 3,000 and 4,000 rupees, do they really care about spending 400 extra per year? I don't know. depends on the game also, right? But I do agree that, yeah, you have a situation where I think some of the outrage is unwarranted. No, I mean, most of the outrage for around all these issues is like when uh, Valve announces some random change and people who don't even game on Steam will start complaining about it and people who probably don't even have Steam accounts. So over here, I'm just, I'm sure people who don't have a PlayStation who are like clinging to their Xbox and crying in the night are like, yes, our price hasn't increased or something. So most of the outrage would be that, but uh, Sony needs to do something to improve their service if they want to continue increasing the price. Like, I think it's it's honestly time for them to cut out Vita and PS3 from getting PS Plus games. I But they already are making their service better. Have you played Black Tiger? Have you played 5 Star 1000 top rated? I have. I actually got a platinum trophy in that. Easiest platinum trophy ever. But, but 
and they, i mean they 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 for the players man aren't these like playstation exclusives <laughs> more like for the players so yeah for those of you who don't know uh what we refer to as black tiger and i think life of black tiger is exact name and uh, that seo beta over title best rated top selling 500 whatever game both are known are have are outed as shovelware on the playstation network uh they've both been uh uh advertised at least in black tiger's case it was advertised on sony's own youtube channel i mean in that they always upload whatever trailers uh, are there so then that's more like here's everything that's available but uh, being featured i think it was someone saw it featured in some store page as yeah. new releases yep. that's a problem so and it's amusing because uh, for the longest time you've had console fanboys say that oh you know we don't have to worry about the shovelware or the crappy games that steam has because of green light we don't have to worry about the crappy games that uh google play has we have a better more curated storefront and that was a case for a while but i think all the nice people responsible for that awesome curation like shahid uh, kamal and the rest of the uk team and the guys in your in us like adam boys they've all left the company so i think we're seeing some standards drop i think those were just like third party relations more than curation Okay, but then like it's the same thing, right? With uh, everyone assumes like iOS on the App Store is completely free from garbage, but there is, there is like I mean, what I think they advertise we have one million apps on the store or something. Tim Cook said a lot of not a not most of it I'd say, but there is like a sizable percentage, probably like ten or something, which is literal trash apps. It's much lower than Google Play, and it, it'll be the same over here. Like PlayStation Store will have garbage on it, but it's nowhere as a, an open marketplace. I'd say. Yeah, but then also you look at the. You're paying a lot more for that garbage too. Ten dollars, fifteen dollars for quite for games that are frankly rubbish. A lot of cases, they're basic asset flips. They're even situations where they're just wallpapers with a simple brick game attached to it. That's what we. That's what. That's what's also been available. Uh, that was one dollar though. No, that was ten. No, actually, I got it for one dollar. Actual price is ten, okay. or actually ten or thirteen dollars. But point is, uh, you'd think there would be better curation, and uh, it's amusing that. It's very amusing that the Western press has come to know of this right now, <laughs> and assumes that Sony has a shovelware problem. Mm. When the fact of the matter is, Sony's always had a shovelware problem. I mean, at least if you've been living in India and you've had to play stuff like Ravan and Desi Adda, and uh, at yeah, least the first three. Yeah, let's not even forget game. that Ravan was an actual bundle. Yeah. So my point is, this is nothing new. This is just mm. Sony. borrowing best practices from emerging markets in ensuring there's more content on the storefront we even had uh, an entrance exam quiz game for the ps2 uh, which had a u which had a user interface that would make you cry mm. like it i mean you could take a pe- pencil and paper and make a better user interface it was that bad so yeah i mean while shovelware is a problem on every platform i mean even i mean the wii was notorious for it back in the day uh you it's we you had like what is that thing meme run or something yeah yeah so there was this like looks like some flappy bird clone with like the troll face and random nonsense. 360 no scope so so yeah it's it's just a little hilarious that some people have finally like woken up and say like oh you know like playstation store has shovelware on it like <laughs> Where yeah. have you been? Like, have you not been paying attention to the store at all, and just like looking at oh, big press, big AAA release? Let's type out about it or something. Yeah, so that's the thing. I mean, it's it's. I think it's a necessary. I think it's a necessary evil in a lot of ways because uh, you have a situation where, I mean, from 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 a platform holder, you want to make sure you have as many games as possible. Mm. You have to even show that you have that much value, right? You want to cater to every possible demographic, and along the way, with doing that, I mean, you're obviously going to cut some corners and ensure that. as many people get on board what's fascinating is 
how it's not even for me the fascinating part isn't the fact that they're on the store but how do these guys get the cash to pick up a PlayStation dev kit the dev kits themselves are expensive you're looking at, i think 5000 or $10000 for a dev kit alone hmm. so evidently there's a lot of people with sizable amounts of money that are able to port android trash able to port steam trash and bring it to PlayStation 4 and that means there is money in the ecosystem in some in some way or capacity so yeah to me that's the more interesting part in the fact that they're actually there it's that they have the tools to get there because i know for a fact that there have been indian developers like for example uh, yellow monkey who's been working on sky sutra aware getting a dev kit was painful mm. even though they had the money it was still painful to get it get access to it and if you have you know shady developers who make horse racing games uh, on android and ios suddenly show up on, on the playstation store i mean evidently someone's got the money and the connection somewhere yep so it's only a matter of time until we see at least half decent games like clash of clans and candy crush show up as opposed to these you know. i think what uh, those will actually probably happen through uh, the new console programs which they have for devs in china mm. and uh, spain spain's got the same programs as well yeah so uh, china's become quite the market in fact some uh, like especially for japanese games like there's this uh, game in the fate series called fate excella which recently released on pc and switch uh, i think last i checked 75% of the sales on pc were from china and the port and the release and pricing is pretty bad on pc for that because you you're paying $50 uh, and you have to buy $40 of DLC to get everything on switch it's $60 for everything included yeah. so uh, i thought it would bomb on steam but uh, yeah china's picking the slack because uh, consoles are still not uh, uh, as prevalent over there like they they just re- re- what they removed the ban last year right yeah so and right now i mean it's really cool because uh, you have stuff like the horizon zero dawn bundle which has a custom controller just for china mm. you have microsoft uh, uh, increasing publishing efforts to ensure local developers have a presence but i still do, but i still i mean i don't think this will impact most of the games we get mm. rather what's going to happen is the existing games are going to see translations for china and support for china with local pricing mm. uh, according to one analyst daniel ahmed from uh, uh, nico, nico partners, partners. He said that uh, w- the moment uh, Watch Dogs 2 dropped to regional pricing for China, which is $35 instead of $60, they saw a tremendous uptake in sales. Mm. Uh, same situation with any game that's translated. Dungeon Defenders, I think, had some a game that's I think four to five years old, had a really huge uptake in sales after having a Chinese translation, even though the game is like yeah, really old. So I have a feeling that's good. I don't think it'll impact the content just yet, but it'll impact how the content's distributed and how it's localized. It's, yeah. it's we're already seeing this with uh, how the console and like non-mobile gaming market in Japan has been shrinking. Asia and China have been picking up their slack. Like the moment you uh, have a game localized into simplified Chinese, it immediately sells a lot more. And uh, mm. a lot of games, like even the Yakuza games, they almost have day and date translations in China now for Asia. And those mm. are doing really well over there. Meanwhile, we have to wait like almost a year for the English version. Yeah, and for those of you wondering how come we don't see any Hindi translations of games, there's very good reason for it. One, the console buying audience understands English. And two, it's been tried before and bombed tremendously. I think one of the older Need for Speeds had localized uh, packaging. And I'm not sure if it had language options, but localized packaging. And Ubisoft has been looking into the option of localizing its games for India, but uh, with Watch Dogs 2, at least there's a localization survey for that. Fact of the matter is, it doesn't make sense at this juncture. Mike, do you want to talk about uh, some Japanese games? 
Uh, always. Yeah. I always <laughs> want to talk about Japanese games. No, so some important uh, localizations have yeah. been announced. Well, one was announced at E3 with Monster Hunter World coming to PS4 and Xbox One with a PC release later. Now, that's important because this will be the first time Monster Hunter will be on Xbox and PC. Mm. And also, this will be the first time in a long time that a proper Monster Hunter game is coming on console and not a late port like uh, Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate, which was on 3DS and Wii U. Mm. So, uh, they've been releasing a lot of trailers and showing off all the weapons and showing off some quests and showing off combat. Basically, just proving that this is a legit Monster Hunter. It's not one of those spin-off games or something. Uh, so yeah, that's very important. That's coming out before March 31st. So by the end of this financial year. But uh, Dragon Quest Eleven released in Japan on uh, 29th July, which was a few days ago. Uh, Square Enix confirmed it's being localized. And uh, they haven't announced platforms, but uh, we know PS4 is happening for sure. Hmm. Uh, it is being released eventually on Switch as well in Japan. And it has a 3DS version. But uh, no mention of those. And uh, Dragon Quest Seven, Dragon Quest Eight, Dragon Quest Nine, and some of the other spin-offs all were handled by Nintendo for localization and distribution uh, over the last, like, basically since Dragon Quest Eight on PS2, which was, what, 10 years ago mm. or yeah. more? Yeah. That was the one which shipped with FF12 demo, I yes, think. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so uh, it's going to be very interesting seeing how this is handled. And I think it's going to be the case where Square Enix handles the PS4 and probably ports it to PC eventually because it's an Unreal Engine 4 game. And Nintendo handles the 3DS and Switch or just Switch versions when it releases. Again, coming in 2018. So, it's going to be... It's, it's This is basically the first console Dragon Quest game since PS2, which is getting localized. So. No, I, unless you count the DS as a console. Home console. Yeah. Yeah, because like that's the thing, right? Handles have been getting insane Japanese support since PS2. But like PS3, basically half of them just gave up. Thanks. Thank you, Sony, for that cell structure and for basically screwing up the launch not really I yeah that's pretty much what happened uh, a lot of games which are exclusive on ps2 they went multi-platform with 360 and uh, now it's happening to some extent with like doing a pc release also but xbox completely out of the picture for japan still even though uh, last year they had lots of japanese exclusives so yeah yeah i mean because if you're not money hatting them they're not going to happen right you need money xbox. to money hat right Something but Microsoft doesn't seem to have. percent increase in profits, bro. Yeah, I'm totally sure. Like, more people are logging into Xbox than ever before. Like, that doesn't pay for anything. Yeah, so, Russian bot. So, yeah, Dragon Quest Eleven, very big deal. I hope it comes out on 3DS, Switch also. But right now, only PS4 is confirmed. And you can watch there, like, some really good trailers showing off. Uh, it is a turn-based JRPG, so it's not, like, one of those action garbage. And this isn't a dig at FF15. It should be, but... Yeah, that's that's the important Japanese localization news. All right then, Rishi. Um, I think we should talk about Battlefield. Oh yeah, so apparently uh, EA had its earnings call, and well, uh, the US, C- I mean the CEO Andrew Wilson basically said that uh, there is going to be another entry in the Battlefield franchise. Wow, no, no, no joke there. But yeah, uh, uh, what he did say is that the next g- great game in the Battlefield franchise will be released in 2018. So surprise! I'm so shocked. So I mean, that that's very interesting. The note because usually what's happened is ba- uh, Dice, the com- the studio behind Battlefield, has uh, supported their games for a longer period of time. Battlefield Three, Battlefield Four, both have seen support for a good couple of years since release. At least no, three years since release, rather. So to see them uh, actually follow. A, one game every two-year cycle is very weird. Mm. But I think it also goes to show that uh, I think, and this is just a theory in my part, 
is that the Battlefield 1 numbers in terms of online hasn't been as hot as EA has anticipated. The server details are up there public and it's quite dwindling particularly on PC. So I guess now what they're going to do is they're going to take all their learnings from Star Wars Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront 2, which are also made by DICE, and also take their learnings from Battlefield 3, Battlefield 4, Battlefield Hardline, and probably come up with a monetization model in a post-Overwatch world that could probably work out for them. Uh, but it also leads me to be worried because if you already, you already had Battlefield 1, which had this cool World War One aesthetic and World War One feel, where do you go from there? You can't do World War II because, hey, guess what? Call of Duty is already doing that. You're mm-hmm. not going to go sci-fi because you already went there ages ago. You can't do modern uh, or take a, have a modern take on it. So I have a feeling this could just end up being a very uh, incremental update to the game rather than anything super substantial. I won't be surprised if they just follow the same aesthetic and, uh, you know, uh, sensibilities of Battlefield 1. I think uh, the... The way people react to battle Battlefront 2 when it releases is going to be very interesting because this is the first time they're going with a no premium uh, model where they basically have loot box microtransactions, but all the maps will be included for free and they won't uh, segment the player base. Like that's really what cost them a huge player base on uh, Battlefield 1 because uh, yes, once they true. start adding uh, DLC maps, they basically start shifting servers and there are more people in servers where people have the season pass. So you have like people who can't connect to other people and mm-hmm. uh, they've tried rectifying this by having premium weekends where someone who owns the season pass can invite some of their friends who don't own it and play together, but that doesn't work. So in fact, uh, there's been like a leak by Amazon France, which even says Battlefield 1 Revolution Edition is releasing on August 22nd or 29th. And it's basically the game with the season pass included for $60 or 60 euros. And so far one expansion has been out. So yeah, this is basically... Uh, them dropping price essentially yeah but even then with one uh, what worries me with battlefront 2 is while it seems to you know be a, uh, be a be in different be a different take on how ea is usually treated its AAA. you know with the fact that there's no season pass what worries me is two two things one uh, the fact that the microtransactions appear to be pay to win wherein okay we all paid 60 dollars for the game 4000 whatever it is and uh, some guy decides to pay the same amount we did, but then spends $100 on microtransactions that allow him to shoot, that, that allow him to do more damage or take, or take more bullets. And uh, that messes up the balance, right? So how they manage to address this remains to be seen. I do hope they look at what Titanfall 2 has been doing in terms of its DLC rollout, which they I think probably is very cool. They probably won't look at anything Titanfall 2 is doing because while the campaign is great, what they're doing with DLC is great. Fans are happy that number of fans is minuscule compared to what like EA shooters I have now. So there I are dozens of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure like Titanfall 2 has less players than people who own a Wii U right now. It's like that bad. I've been looking. So, hey man, 15 million Wii U owners. Okay, believe. Sure. So I I don't know how they're gonna react, but Battlefront 2 is going to like basically change what they do with the next Battlefield in terms of monetization for sure. Agree completely. They've they've been saying we've oh we've had a lot of constructive feedback for Battlefront, so we're taking all those learnings into Battlefront 2. Like regardless of however Battlefield 5 or whatever they call it turns out, Battlefront 2 is huge for EA. Yeah. So, yeah, that's gonna decide a lot of things. That license though. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So um, I think we can now move on to talking about nintendo uh, first thing is we have a lot of information now about mario plus rabbits kingdom battle right uh, if you go to gadgetc60.com and check the features section uh, you will find 
I think a novel length article written about the game where she interviewed the people who made the game. So Rishi you want to talk about uh, yeah, talk so about the interview? Yeah, so we were fortunate enough to interview David uh, Soliani who is the creative director at Ubisoft Milan. The game's being made by Ubisoft under supervision of Nintendo. And it was pretty interesting because uh the the first thing we noticed when it was officially announced was uh, and this is something like which Pranay and I had a massive back and forth about is that you have Mario with a gun for the first time. How did they get that to get passed? And uh, it seems that uh, the the clever people at Ubisoft decided to go into that presentation and meeting, showing uh, playing around with the proportion of the gun, so it doesn't seem realistic. Trying to fo- play up the cartoony angle, and uh, that's how they got Nintendo to agree. Uh, at the same time, the game was supposed to be a MOBA. It started its life as a Dota 2 kind of uh, game, wherein uh, yeah, I, I know Pranay, <laughs> stop laughing. Dota is a thing. just because it's become newbie friendly doesn't make it any less cool no. so uh but then and then they even looked at uh, real time strategy as, as a frame of reference but then they settled on a turn based uh, game because they wanted to be more accessible mm. which i think is really cool um and what is even more interesting in all of this was uh, they 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 ended up uh, balancing the game using an excel sheet which is yeah standard practice for a lot of developers you put in all the values there and you mix and match and see what works because they wanted to make sure that the see the problem is with a lot of turn based strategy games uh it's very easy to break the balance mm. it's very easy for one uh, w- one particular strategy or one particular character or one particular item to be super overpowering some games uh, some games uh, embrace this like this gear 5 wherein you can literally level up your items so that they become more powerful than your character itself mm. so so some games embrace it other games like xcom and uh, final fantasy tactics as well as uh, Mario plus Rabbids take a different approach where they want to make sure it's finely balanced from the ground up. Mm. So, uh yeah, that's an interesting takeaway, but what really bombed me out from the entire interview was the fact that the game will not have any touchscreen support for the Switch, which I yeah. think is a big bit of a de- could be a deal breaker for some. Reason being when you look at this game, when you see it, you you that you, the first instinct isn't to 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 grab a controller, it's to touch the screen, it's to move your yeah, characters using yeah. the screen, right? and you can't do that here so it's yet another uh strategy game on the switch much like this gear that does not use the switch touchscreen which is tragic um well i'm not sure if it's like as tragic as both you and mike uh, seem to think it is uh, because i personally don't enjoy the handle mode uh, much except for like uh, that game what was that kamiko yeah uh, that's kamiko, the only yeah. game where i've really like enjoyed the handle so mode so that's the thing right uh, it's not about Or forcing you to use the touchscreen, it's it's already there. So why not just enable UI navigation through it? Or like even if they don't want to add do it in the actual gameplay, like why would you force someone to use a D-pad? Like even the Switch UI lets you do stuff with touch. Like I never use the controller for op- launching a game or going to the eShop. I do everything by tapping. It's just that when you get into a game, fine, you have controls, use it. Uh, and when you have grid-based games, it's It's okay just add it as an option if you don't I don't so, know I, I think it's a missed opportunity. So uh from their standpoint they did consider touchscreen option early on but it didn't work out given the play selection tool so it made it didn't make sense to continue with it. Uh what is even more interesting though was the fact that uh, the game will is that is that they hinted that the game will have some form of live service which is very intriguing because uh we live in an age where Nintendo has finally embraced mobile games when nintendo has finally embraced you know daily events uh, multiplayer and uh, have a somewhat decent online service a lot couple that with the fact that ubisoft's core strength is post game support yeah i mean watch dogs 2 still getting updates where you can play co-op with friends so uh point is uh, 
while he couldn't give specifics, he basically hinted that yeah, there's something in the works. Now, how this pans out, what this could be, remains to be seen. Though I wouldn't put it past them to do daily, monthly, weekly events around the game, similar to how they did for Rayman Legends. And I also wouldn't put it past them to probably add some new modes post-launch, because uh, yeah, that's that's where it seems to go with uh, with this one. But that aside, uh, Ubisoft also showed off some gameplay. Uh, there's some very interesting depth in terms of strategy here, wherein you wherein you can just chain attacks together. So mm. it's not just using one attack; you can use the attack of four or five of your characters to create a complete combination of uh, mayhem, which I think is really cool. The district there there are. Uh, uh, dist- uh, destructive environments as well so you can you know punch through them if needed mm. um, there's a co-op mode that's also going to be there from day one which mm. is also pretty cool because it means that in case you're cerebrally, cerebrally handicapped like me you can call on another pair of brain cells <laughs> to <laughs> take a pet, uh, hold on to a joycon and use it so what's really nice is the game works with uh, all function all all methods of switch controllers so fine you lose our touch screen but then each joycon can be used to play the game so you can use one half I can use the other half we can both be playing it um, there's even some environments, new environments that are in everything from graveyards to castles and the entire nine yards. So that seems to be uh, an interesting take on things. Yeah, it looks quite exciting to me based on whatever we've seen so far and the stuff that these guys have been saying. I think it's uh, coming out on August 29th. It's coming yes. out a week after Uncharted, The Lost yeah. Legacy. Yeah, yeah, August 29th, same day as uh, Yakuza Kiwami. And so uh, it is getting an official release over here for 3499 for Standard Edition. And 5999 for the CE, which includes a Mario Rabbit statue from Ubisoft Collectibles. They make really good statues, but uh, it's a rabbit statue. And <laughs> it has some art cards and it has the soundtrack on CD. So, yeah. What do you want, an Ezio statue or what? No, but like, Rayman have statue? a Mario statue. Why rabbits? Like, because it's rabbits. I know. Oh, and the funniest part, uh, the reason for having this game with rabbits was, uh, was, was, was that they wanted to sh- have a situation where... Maybe, just maybe, the rabbits could be heroes. And maybe, just maybe, Mario could learn a cracker joke, which I thought was really amusing <laughs> because, yeah, Mario is quite poor-faced in a lot of cases. So, that's there. Uh, yeah, my favorite part is that Buantasaurus. Yeah, Buantasaurus <laughs> is one of the enemies in the call. So, yeah. fun times. Yeah, alright. So, um, Nintendo also had a lot of good news to report since the time we recorded the last podcast. Yeah, some crazy yeah, sales some figures. Crazy, crazy sales figures. So since launch, we've seen 4.7 million switches sold, uh, and they they were surprisingly generous enough to even give hardware details of uh, their current platforms, including the recently deceased and yet super awesome Wii U. So uh, apparently, the Wii U total hardware is 13.56 million units. The sold software sales is close to 100 million, 99.97 million pieces of hardware sold. Uh, the Switch has done in this quarter 1.97 million. Uh, Switch Software has done 8.14 million, which is a pretty good attach rate, all things included. Uh, the total Switch Software is at 13.6 million, uh, which is again, if you look around the total base of 4.7, that means almost three games per user, which I think is really cool. Mm. Uh, then we're looking at a situation where the 3DS hardware uh, slightly underperforming, I think, mm. at 950k for the quarter. Uh, and the switch software for the quarter is 5.85 million, which is again, yeah, if you look at it in terms of attach rate, it's still very freaking good. Um, switch or 3DS? Sorry, 3DS, 3DS. Yeah. 3DS. Okay. yeah. And even total 3DS hardware lifetime to date is 67.08 million. And total software sales is 33, uh, sorry, 335.1 <laughs> million. <laughs> what, what, one, five games per every Switch user almost? Yeah, like how many yeah. Pokemon games have been released, right? That's minimum. Like almost everyone has a 3DS has every Pokemon game. But yeah, 3DS is a beast and they just released a 2DS, new 2DS XL. 
Yeah, and on top of so, that, yeah. uh, they even talked about uh, sales of specific Switch titles. So how did ARMS do? It's at 1.13 million, I think. Uh, 1.18. 1.18 million. And uh, this is a new IP which launched only on the Nintendo Switch system, which is basically like a simplified fighting brawler game, which everyone thought would fail, including myself, even though I enjoy it. And uh, it's only 600k lower than Street Fighter V, which is on PS4 and PC. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Arms' characters are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're not... What, you're trying to say people like Twintel more than they like Chun-Li? Good morning. <laughs> I mean, do you see the response to Chun-Li in Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite? Yeah, but that's yeah. Marvel. Point is, uh, yeah, so, so Arms has been doing surprisingly well. Zelda's also sold pretty well too. I, it's added another 1.16 million. And the lifetime to date sales is 3.92 million, which is not... That's like almost one in every Switch owner has Zelda. Exactly, which is, I mean, no surprises right there. Yeah, it's a launch title, right? It is a surprise because Zelda is not always done well in Japan. It's more like a Western-focused title, but this time it did really well in Japan. But uh, uh, the surprise, I mean, not the surprise, Splatoon has sold like nearly 700,000 in three days in Japan only. Yeah, Mm. that's true. Yeah, so before we get to that, uh, I'd like to make a point about Zelda. Remember there was a point in time in the Switch's life where... That was in the US, I know what you're getting at, the one where... It had more than 100% attach rate because yeah. people, they said that people bought more than one copy like myself. Yeah, and also I think some people bought the copy of the game because they couldn't find the Switch anywhere. At that time there was like yeah, serious it, supply issues. In fact, the Switch is still having a lot of supply issues in the US. Uh, some retailers have resorted to selling the Switch only with 2-3 games bundled to it. So basically instead of it being a 300 plus tax purchase, it's now 420 plus tax purchase where they bundle Zelda, Mario Kart or Mario Kart arms or something like that. Mm. So uh, in Japan, they did have uh, a decent uh, restock for Splatoon, but it's still like I keep seeing pictures of uh, stores having 200 people waiting in line for a lottery to get a Switch and stuff like that. Yep. I mean, uh, then we saw that again with Dragon Quest Eleven. but yeah, we'll get to that soon. But yeah, so 3.92 million lifetime to date on Zelda. That's a lot of people who are fine with weapon durability. You guys need better standards. You need to get good. <laughs> Alright, Splatoon 700k sales. Uh, you yeah. want to talk about the game as well? Uh, so, the Nintendo Switch has a playtime tracker which updates after 10 days for some reason. Or if you have a mobile app which is region locked and you use it, you can check your playtime at any time. Uh, I haven't logged into that app yet even though I'm using Splatnet 2 through the online app. So, when my playtime <laughs> refreshed and I saw 70 hours played in 10 days, I was like, what? So, yeah, I have played a lot of Splatoon. Mm. That's crazy. It is. It's like almost seven hours a day. (laughs) Yeah. But And it's not Overwatch. What's Overwatch? I mean, I haven't even downloaded the patch for Doomfist yet. If you compare it, what you've played in Splatoon on seven days is essentially what I played of Overwatch in the first, uh, close to the first year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Oh, I think uh, last time I checked my Overwatch stats, it was like 400 hours or something for yeah, the so first year. First year was roughly 70 hours. Okay, so yeah. Uh, you also played it, Prane. Yeah, I did. Both of us, I think, agree that the core game is like fantastic, but they have so many stupid design decisions. I mean, I can't voice chat. What's the point? Oh, I, I don't even care about the voice chat thing. My main problem with it is, suppose, uh, like we tried this last time, Prane and I wanted to play together against people you can only do that in local in a horde mode and uh, you can't add ai companions so playing horde mode with only two people is kind of boring if we wanted to actually play uh, the multiplayer modes there's a 50 50 chance we'll be in the same team yeah you and i got like paired in the opposite team 
and uh, like when we played once online uh, yeah recently. yeah so uh, that happens a lot and yeah. the only way we can guarantee both of us playing in the same team is if we play a league battle mm. but to get to league battle you need to reach level 10 which takes a few hours and you need to play ranked and reach rank b minus yep which is like 7 8 games win being one after that so it doesn't take that much time but this isn't something which should be a problem in 2017 like suppose both of us by overwatch we can just put it in patch it get we can play together against mm-hmm. whoever mm-hmm. we can even play against ai with bots that's something splatoon 2 misses as well now while i love playing turf or trying out the new weapons treating each weapon as its own class and all that unlock almost all of them by now i think i'm level 24 and uh, Uh, the cap is 30 no the cap is 50 oh nice uh but you stop unlocking stuff after level 30 like ah. you have all the weapons unlocked so by so effectively then. 30 is the cap right because you're not lo- unlocking new stuff after no, that no you unlock point. more gear and all you don't unlock and you unlock the uh, the way to change gear like you can uh, what happens now is some gear has four ability slots some has one so if you like a piece of gear which has only one ability slot visually you can actually get more slots added to it and you can do all that stuff after you hit level 30 so, so essentially splatoon 2's gear system has gears of war <laughs> but uh, it's not a failure like gears of war <laughs> i mean you don't have to look shocked i picked up an extra copy of gears of war 4 which is like their premier biggest game of the last one year outside forza for 900 bucks on amazon i don't know man that game's plot is basically k3g it's all about loving your parents Hmm. Oh yes, I slipped a Bollywood reference. So, all uh, right. Anyway, so uh, yeah. I wanted to check with you. What has your experience with uh, matchmaking been? Because uh, in my case, what happened was lots of times, like I was only like level five or six or something like that when I was uh, playing online. Okay. Um, so lots of times, what happened was I was lumped together with somebody who's level two, level three, and level fifteen. And on the opposing team, we had like level twenty-one, level eighteen, level seventeen, level sixteen. Okay, so I've had this problem on Overwatch on Xbox. On mm. PS4, it's not really a problem because on PS4 I'm le- like, is it level or rank? I already forgot in Overwatch. Four hundred. It's level, 500. so I'm four hundred and thirty or something, and mm. I usually get matched with two hundred and above. Mm. So it's not. Re- I don't think it's an issue because uh, even at level one, you can still use gear with four ability slots. You can still use that, so it's not that big a problem. but uh, yeah what shouldn't happen is uh, you being like all under 10 in one side of four and everyone else being above 20 on the other side i haven't had that happen yet mm-hmm. but uh, i've heard a, the bigger problem i think is uh, out of 10 games i'd say three games i've had someone from one team get disconnected yeah same here and mm-hmm. uh, in a 4v4 game which gets over in 3 minutes where you have to like cover turf with a certain ink color even one disconnect means you've lost basically yep. you're just like continuing for the next 3 minutes to get a little xp so that's a bigger problem i think mm. than uh, any other matchmaking yeah and also like even if you are really good at the game and even if you like get pretty much like an unhindered uh, like roll at the enemy turf and you get the roller and you keep going you still can't really win can you like it's you will get at at most you'll get like 1500 points yeah yeah that's it's yeah. what happened to me i use that arrow spray weapon now yeah. but yeah like if someone's disconnected in your team it's a loss and because the game's only last 3 minutes there's no backfill also like overwatch anytime someone disconnects in a non ranked game someone joins in like you just join in and yeah and that also reminds me i mean there was one time when i wanted to join you on a game online and yeah. it made me wait for like 2 and 1/2 minutes with just that, the timer that's the other thing like why not allow they they advertise the spectator mode i still haven't looked into it properly but if someone joins your like joins a friend 
they should be able to like look at the game I going think on, on in a, a private battle view. not there in those yeah, so uh, online modes which is this plain stupid the online mode is the main mode like turf yeah. war is basically the core multiplayer yeah. mode of splatoon 2 for like yeah. just enjoying so what they should do is first of all like let people uh, join in as spectators and secondly if somebody disconnects then bring these spectators in and like put them into the game instead yeah these are uh, lots of multiplayer at least for the last 5 year multiplayer qol issues which other games have fixed and they launch with them so mm. uh, and uh, these issues are a bigger problem because this is splatoon 2 so they had these issues in splatoon 1 on wii u but they didn't fix it mm. and no one cared because wii u yeah because like it had like yeah. one person playing it so hey yeah, but so yeah the, did you what do you think of the campaign so far the offline campaign so offline campaign was like uh, the you're talking about the octo yeah canyon. octo canyon yeah so that was fun i mean i did not know anything about having not played the original splatoon game i did it's not a, know it's essentially a similar campaign yeah i did not know anything about the character what's her name kelly and mary right those two characters yeah you put yeah. them together becomes calamari yeah so holy squid <laughs> yeah so i did not know anything about them but i found that very interesting and also like minor touches are so good right because uh, one of them i forgot who is the one who introduces you to the campaign uh, so she is standing right there somewhere just you know staring at the sunset or whatever then you start shooting her with suddenly in, the yeah. umbrella comes out yeah the umbrella <laughs> comes out so small nice touches like that really have you tried like talking to her? i have yeah and so she keeps revealing some random bits of information and right? she says i i could really go for pineapple free pizza right yeah. now <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they have put in a lot of thought into it and that's these are the things that really tell you that you know they've not been just putting in some offline campaign just for the sake of it uh, and also i thought that uh, the way they introduce you to the whole um, Uh, like it's almost like a tutorial phase in the campaign itself the way they introduce you to jumping to that uh, what's that that um, the zap roller thing where like which boosts you to the next platform really fast uh, it's like an escalator but really i forgot what is called but yeah, yeah the first stage in the uh, there are like five or six worlds i can't remember exactly how many and each of them has its own set of levels but yeah the first one is basically a tutorial yeah it's totally a tutorial and that's the tutorial that the game should have had i felt the like the one that they actually have where they you are forced to use motion oh controls oh yeah motion controls i still can't use them yeah. in fact uh, everyone says no no you should get used to motion controls in this i use them in zelda because like you use it to like have precision aiming in zelda when it's slow but uh splatoon no like the way they've implemented it i just can't get into it so i just put sensitivity to max and play with the pro controller though yeah. there is only one question amidst all this glorious talk of the game's you know meta and how you play it and all that cool stuff i just have one question Do they ever, at any point of time, explain why two cats beat the crap out of each other to, at the end of Tough War? No. <laughs> These no. are the important things Nintendo should answer. <laughs> oh, speaking of speaking of the cat, uh, did you try the rhythm game in the square? Uh, no, I haven't. So tried yeah, that one. like uh, next to this person who's playing Dance Dance Revolution or something that looks like that is a arcade machine where you can play through the music you've unlocked in the game or the music from the previous game. as a rhythm game and just listen to it like a jukebox so like nice touch again mm. in the last game uh, it got a lot of criticism for this mode being locked behind an amiibo mm. but in this yeah. in this game the only thing you unlock via amiibo is some costumes which are like helpful like probably for the first 2 3 levels after that like you get way better gear so yep yep yeah So also when you boot the game up and you have to listen to those two idiots talk about the maps is the most annoying thing ever. Yeah, it is. It really is and also you can't even skip it. Like yeah. all you can skip is like individual dialogues and <laughs> you, you, you can't even like start the game and like go make coffee and by the time you come back it'll be over. No. You literally have to keep Yeah, you have to keep pressing like, A. Oh wow, <laughs> this is the multiplayer map for this mode which I haven't unlocked yet. Yeah, a. don't cook, stay <laughs> off the hook. What was that nonsense? So Seriously. Yeah, like but 
aside from all of this still really enjoying it like i whatever so i think it's really good yeah it is good but then you know all these issues kind of left like a sour taste in the yeah. mouth after a period three on like 10 no cat explanation yeah <laughs> so yeah anyway that was platoon 2 for you uh, what other games have you been uh, playing this week mike i know you have like uh, your entire life has been taken over by platoon <laughs> but i'm still like i'm pretty so sure you've been trying something else yeah uh, with all this dragon quest 11 hype which has been going on uh, i actually decided to play dragon quest 8 which uh, i bought like day one like mm. i bought dragon quest 7 and 8 uh just to check them out uh but the most i've put most time i've put into a dragon quest game has been heroes 1 and heroes 2 like heroes 2 even you really like mm, yeah. so i decided to play dragon quest 8 because i wanted to like play more on the 3ds so started that uh, really good so far music is amazing voice acting is surprisingly good something i didn't expect but people always mention that and it's like a true and true fantasy jrpg so uh, Is it a fantasy based on reality for first timers as well? It's a good game. It's not <laughs> Final Fantasy 15. So basically, uh, I've put in I think 10 hours into that so far, just exploring that. Also, uh, booted up Shin Megami Tensei 4 on 3DS as well to like replay the opening, just to like screw around in that, just check out stuff. Uh, still think the opening is a little weak, but it's like one of the better RPGs of the last few years. And yeah, Splatoon 2. That's all basically. <laughs> for the last one week for me <laughs> yeah 70 you? hours is no no joke is it, it really isn't that number when it appeared it shocked me also yeah so um, i mean i've only played splatoon 2 and pyre which i spoke about yeah. last week like pyre i got through a little more of the campaign before life took over and i had to play splatoon 2 to finish the review uh, but yeah one thing we didn't mention about uh, splatoon 2 was that the i face a lot of disconnection issues as well oh yeah uh, like uh, so yeah i will mention this disconnecting uh, So the Switch Wi-Fi chip is really bad. It's probably worse than the PS4 one, which is saying a lot because the PS4 system has some of the worst Wi-Fi ever. In fact, if you have a PS4, I suggest you like just plug in an Ethernet cable yep. and uh, like have you get even peace then, of mind. Basically. Even then, it doesn't max out your internet connection, no, but it's much better. It's stable. Yeah, it's stable. Yeah. So the Wi-Fi on PS4 is terrible. On the Switch, it's even worse. In fact, like if you just put your Switch docked behind the monitor and your router is next to it, you might not get three bars. Or Wi-Fi on it, so it's pretty terrible. Uh, in my case, I had two disconnects in the 70 hours where I actually monitor my ping while playing to see, and it hadn't dropped. It just said communication errors occurred. Uh, on 3G, on 4G, when I play like in Starbucks or something, the moment you get a call on Vodafone, it drops from 4G to 3G. Yeah. That's a guaranteed disconnect in yep. Splatoon. Yep. And the game punishes you heavily for it, like two disconnects in a row, and it tells you it might ban you from online. Mm. Now. calm down this isn't like a real multiplayer game like overwatch or rainbow six siege where like this matters if you're doing this in like normal turf war or something i don't think the penalty should be so high but you had a lot of disconnections you've been telling yeah me. yeah lots of them so first of all in our office uh, internet which is not exactly the greatest but it's not bad either like everything else works you can stream videos netflix everything works properly but on this network haven't been able to play online at all like just doesn't connect Uh, at home also on a super fast 60 mbps line where um, nintendo's own speed test the one inside switch uh, kept saying that the speed is super high like it was showing some 30 mbps up and i don't know 20 mbps um, uh, 20 25 mbps down or something like that uh, even on that with like uh, it said the internet quality is also pretty good uh, even then it wasn't connecting and then finally like an hour later it just automatically started connecting i did nothing else like i, I mean it was just in the same place didn't change anything Just start connecting on its own. All sorts of errors I would get, like uh, can't communication error, cannot reach the other user's console, 
and basically uh, which is why I, i got to play so much of the octo canyon single player mode um, so yeah it's pretty frustrating and it's really sad that you know nintendo hasn't fixed these issues so i mean if you have a nintendo switch i'd seriously recommend that you know if you uh, invest more in single player games if you're like going to be investing in multiplayer games and these disconnections are going to happen then it really doesn't reflect nicely on on nintendo or the switch i think it also begs the begs the question that what's going to happen when popular multiplayer stuff like rocket league shows up yep is the infrastructure ready what's going to happen when they start charging people for multiplayer is the infrastructure ready yeah. uh, what's going to happen when they decide to bring pokemon onto it pokemon will have some form of online connectivity what's going to happen then so i i don't know a lot of questions on this side of the fence for all things nintendo yeah that is true so rishi what have you been playing so i have finished a run through a second run through bayonetta 2 still mm. one of the best action games of all time like crazy over the top crazy good fun uh been playing uh, then after and after i've been playing uh, the pes uh, 2018 open beta mm. which is surprisingly good uh very well balanced the, f- the physics and ball fi- the ball physics are particularly great uh, it's a good balance between the arcade speed of the uh, of previous games and fifa's slower pacing mm. it's got the right stuff i think it's it's a lot more accessible a lot more fun to play visually doesn't look that different but all the changes under the hood make for a better game the menu is still stuck in some geocities angel fire myspace combine of i don't know what but the core gameplay is still a lot of fun so looking forward to that uh and i've been playing the lawbreakers beta as well that was actually pretty that's also a lot of fun remind me the the aesthetic and general tone of the game remind me of 90 shooters mm. with uh, a lot of snark and attitude going uh, st- uh coming through it's a fun but i i can see it wearing thin i mean a couple of classes uh quite the class there aren't too many classes to master so i, I don't see it catching on unless they add new ones and i've been playing fortnite uh which is surprisingly fun it's basically minecraft meets guns with zombies and stuff and it's quite cool the building mechanic could be a little better but i like what they're doing in terms of presentation and aesthetic uh it seems to have borrowed the best practices of how to present a game from the plants vs zombies series mm. so super colorful super cheery which i think is really nice it's got an almost pixar like feel to it so i really really like what they've done there uh and aside from those yeah i've been playing tacoma uh wow. which the reviews been out on our site it's pretty cool you essentially uh you, what you do is you you're you're a contractor who's supposed to go to a spaceship who's supposed to go on a spaceship to uh um retrieve its ai actually not a spaceship a space station called the tacoma and retrieve its ai called odin and along the way you piece together what happened to the crew and why they left which is like, and it's very well written it's one of the be- better written games of the year it just is criminally short hmm. i mean uh, considering games like firewatch for at least 4 or 5 hours here you're done in 2 i just felt that's wrong but again for a price of 500 rupees i don't <laughs> see that being a problem you spend that much for going out for a movie for god's sake So that aside yeah it's pretty cool. So yeah that's what I've been playing. All right that was quite the list and that wraps up this episode of Transition and we will see you with another episode next week. As always don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram at gadgets360 and you can also send in your questions, comments, feedback, hate mail, love letters at podcast@gadgets360.com. And the music for this episode comes by Magnus Solai Paulson whose album PPP PPP is where the tracks are from. Thanks for listening.